variants. Welcome into an exciting and inaugural episode of Star Wars Deep Dives. I will be your Jedi Master for this evening. For the time being, you are all my Padawans. So I'm going to take you on this exciting journey of learning more and more about the universe and a galaxy far, far away that I know and love that I would like to impart the knowledge on to you guys as well. But before we get too far in the video, be sure to that like button, be sure to that subscribe button. It's greatly appreciated. It really helps bump us up in the queue. It helps other people find the videos that we are taking the time to make for each and every one of you guys to enjoy and to be able to impart the knowledge that we know onto you guys as well. But before we get too carried away with everything that is going on in the universe of Star Wars, we're going to jump right in. Qui-Gon Jinn. And... We're going to let you know why you need to know about him moving forward to the Obi-Wan series that will be dropping on May 24th on Disney+. Plus. Mark your calendars. We've got a lot of exciting things coming for you guys. Can't wait to break down all the main characters that will be partaking in this series. But with all good knowledge, let's come in source of origin. The source of origin that I pulled all of this material from that I gathered as notes so that you guys can know where I got these things so you can search these things out for yourself. Fact check me, correct me. Tell me when I'm wrong, please. Drop it in the comments. Let me know when I'm wrong. I appreciate it. It's a learning experience. and something that each and every person who does a video like this should be able to understand and appreciate that someone took their time to let them know where they were wrong. I'm using Jedi Apprentice, Master and Apprentice, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, and Star Wars The Clone Wars as my sources that I gathered to understand more about the life and times of Qui-Gon Jinn, who was born in the latter years of the Republic era. So without further ado, we'll jump right on in to what we got going on here with this pertaining to his birth. He was born on the city planet of Coruscant. Coruscant is an all-city planet. There is nothing else. The whole planet is city. I'm sure it's divided into subsections, rich, poor, Certain alien races here, certain human races here, other alien races over there. It's just a whole cluster of rich, poor, but just a whole city of Corazon. He was born on 80 BBY. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Star Wars timeline, BBY, before the Battle of Yavin. And the reason you need to know that is before the Battle of Yavin, that takes place before A New Hope. A New Hope, when the first Death Star is destroyed, that is the Battle of Yavin. That is where the Star Wars timeline officially starts and goes there. Everything before that is not considered part of the originals that everyone knew up, grew up with, knew, loved, and enjoyed. The all-city planet of Coruscant is where Qui-Gon spent pretty much his whole dang life. The man was born, raised, trained, and only thing he didn't do here was die. He died on the planet of Naboo after a lightsaber stab from the Sith apprentice Darth Maul at 32 BBY. And this is important because during that time period, Qui-Gon achieved oneness with the Force and was able to move on in spirit form to go on and train other people and have to become one with the force so you can have life after your physical death which was very very important he was trained by jedi master dooku and for those of you who are semi-familiar with star wars dooku you're like huh that sounds really familiar wasn't there a count dooku rolling around in attack of the clones and revenge of the sith you'd be absolutely correct 
That is the same man, one and the same. He was a Jedi master revered for his wisdom, his skills with the lightsaber, and his ability to negotiate with tons of people for many, many reasons. He's considered one of the wisest, most powerful Jedi of his era, period. Dooku was held up in the top three along with Mace Windu and Yoda. He was one of the three heads of the Jedi Council, although he did uh, obviously end up defecting later on to join the Sith as the apprentice to Darth Sidious. He was trained at the age of 12 by this man, onward up till he became a Jedi Knight, and then become a Jedi Master in his own right. He was trained originally in lightsaber combat Je Jedi Master Terra Sinub. So just a couple names throw at you. Sinub does not have as big of a thread as far as Dooku does. Dooku's got his home old echelon, especially because of everything that Dave Filoni and John Favreau did. Uh, mostly Filoni for the Clone Wars. Favreau added a little bit here and there, but it was largely due to Dave Filoni expanding upon Count Dooku during the Clone Wars that we got so much more great knowledge upon one of the greatest lightsaber duelists probably ever. Saber to saber combat, Dooku was the elite of the elite. And I know people will be like, well, yeah, didn't he just get wiped out by Anakin? If you read the novel, Anakin literally achieved perfection and balance with the Force, and the Force sided with him just so he could defeat Dooku. It wasn't like he was better. His mind, body, and soul merged with the Force to become one strong enough to kill Count Dooku. That's how strong Dooku was. That's what needed to happen in order for Anakin to take out someone who trained the man we're focusing on, Qui-Gon Jinn. During his apprentice years, during his first conversation he ever had with Count Dooku, he admitted openly, because Dooku sensed it, that he was afraid. Um, which is something that the Jedi Order is absolutely terrified of. I'm sure if you saw the prequels, a lot of people had a lot of comments with being afraid of something meant you were weak, and fear always was a path to the dark side. Dooku, on the other hand, revered the fact that Qui-Gon said he was afraid openly and was not afraid to admit his fear. There's a difference between being pigeonholed by fear and being able to admit you are afraid of something, but willing to work through it. He admitted that he was afraid of failing and being unworthy as a Jedi because he worked so hard, so tirelessly, and so, and so much perseverance just to get to the point to be able to be selected to become an apprentice and a Padawan that it, it ultimately he was just afraid of failing. That was the only thing that he was afraid of doing was failing, which Dooku said was very, very wise and then took him on, trained him in saber, saber combat and uh, Qui-Gon's younger years, he was known a lot for staying up later than he was supposed to. He was always kind of a bit of a maverick, but he, tr he would uh, stay up late with all the other Padawans, laughing, joking, having a good time, piling around. And then he would always get in trouble with Ma Jedi Master Yaddle because he'd always be training in lightsaber combat long after the combat rooms were closed, long after hours. And when he was supposed to be spending time sleeping or reading, he was always messing around with the lightsaber, working on his combat skills, trying to hone his craft, get better at what he had. During his initial visit with Count Dooku, Dooku showed him through many, many different rooms of the Jedi Temple. And Qui-Gon got fascinated with one book and one book in particular over all the others. There was a Jedi holocron, which is what their collection of books is considered, about prophecies. And Qui-Gon was super, super inquisitive about everything pertaining to prophecies and how they related to day to day. And he was like, why don't the Jedi spend more time 
trying to know and understand all these prophecies, knowing the future would be a huge ally for us. We could really help the order get to where we needed to be. However, Count Dooku wisely alluded to him, like, a lot of Jedi have been driven mad by prophecies. A lot of them have been corrupted by fear and control that they need to be in charge of what their future is, which leads them down to the path of the dark side. They said it would be unwise to keep dabbling in such things. However, I will not deter you from looking and trying to understand knowledge. He said knowledge itself is not evil. How you can use it can be. And he really trusted his brand new apprentice to be like, yep, this, this is the information that's available. It can lead you this way. But I'm not going to stop you at the same time from trying to know and understand that. Along with Qui-Gon, Dooku had another apprentice before him who later went on to become a Jedi Knight in his own right. His name was Rael Oveross, who was a famous lightsaber duelist who, again, was a bit of a maverick. Seems like Count Dooku's training kind of leads people to be a kind of a questionable with the Jedi Order. Rael was questionable because he was super, super reckless with the Jedi Order and would often tell them no. He would tell them, I don't want to do this job. I want to do this. I don't want to do that. And on top of that, he had physical relations with women all the time. He refused to follow the Jedi mantra of you must stay away from feelings. However, Rael did it in a way where he was just you know, sleeping around without catching feelings, if you know what I mean. I'm trying not to get too adult, but Rael was one of those um, Jedi Mavericks who just didn't follow the rules, didn't really want to be involved with the strict, prim, and proper Jedi Order. And he, Rael fostered a strong relationship with Qui-Gon. They became best of friends. They trained together. They talked together. And whenever a Qui-Gon couldn't go to Count Dooku, with any of his fears or any of his concerns, he would talk to Rael. And he saw Dooku start slipping into darkness. Uh, Dooku in force interrogated someone who had information that Dooku needed, and Dooku slipped slightly in the dark side and started torturing this man. And Qui-Gon told Rael about it and was like, hey, I, I don't think this is right. I think this just happened. What do I do about this? And Rael's like, I wouldn't worry about it too much. This isn't the first time this has happened. However... I don't think Captain Dooku will slip over to this. He's so wise and so powerful, he would never go over to the Sith. Shows what you know, Rael. Shows what you know. But we're going to jump right on over to his life as a master. He later passed the trials, became a master in his own right. He took upon himself an apprentice, who a lot of people know and love as Obi-Wan. Um, pertaining to Qui-Gon as a master, who's super, super... He followed a lot of what Rael's instructions were. He was absolutely a maverick within his own right. He refused to follow the order. He often told them no. He's like, your methods don't make sense. This isn't right. This isn't what I want to be known for. This is not what we need to be doing. And a lot of times he would clash with the council and just, they butted heads constantly, but ultimately they wanted the same thing. They just had different ways of going about it. And Qui-Gon believed that they didn't, handled business the way it should have been properly addressed. He wrote that very, very fine line between being a Jedi by following the code, but also so far off that the code was kind of obscured and he was operating within that gray area between Jedi and Sith. Qui-Gon wrote that line absolutely tooth and nail, the very, very fine, minuscule points of it all the way through. Now, Qui-Gon was very lackadaisical 
as a uh, master to Obi-Wan. He prioritized training Obi-Wan with the basics. He didn't want to bury him with so much information that he didn't know what he needed to do. He made sure he practiced his basic forms of, of lightsaber combat. He made sure that he understood balance of the Force, how the Force influenced all things living, all things dead, and that the Force was always constantly around you, and you need to believe in the all-surrounding and all-powerful Force. Uh, Qui-Gon didn't really try to go, all right, we're going to do advanced lightsaber combat, or be like, you need to delve deep into these books and these sacred texts and all the meh. That, that was not Qui-Gon's spiel. He just wanted Obi-Wan to learn at his own pace, so he focused on basics and made sure Obi-Wan understood what the basics were pertaining to the Force and lightsaber combat, even though he under completely understood that Obi-Wan was an exceptional lightsaber duelist, one of the best the Order has ever seen, period, especially in his defensive style of battle. He was almost unparalleled. However, things of Qui-Gon's lackadaisical nature occasionally would hit a little hiccup while on mission on the planet of Mandalore, which I'm going to be becoming more familiar with due to Dave Filoni and John Favreau's beautiful Mandalorian, that they were on mission. Obi-Wan came with them. Obi-Wan ended up meeting Satine Kreese of Mandalore. They spent a year there uh, on reconnaissance. Mission went horribly, horribly awry. They're only supposed to be there like a month or two. And they ended up running from locals, ended up running from pirates, this, that, and the other. They ended up spending about a year together. Um, Qui-Gon sensed that Obi-Wan had started developing feelings for Satine, and things were starting to go in a loving relationship, which was Obi-Wan's greatest struggle throughout his life was balancing the Order and balancing the woman he loved. It was kind of a huge toss-up, and if you delve into Star Wars The Clone Wars, you can see a lot of the strings being pulled, a lot of the issues that came from this exact issue. However, Qui-Gon never rebutted him. He knew about it, he understood it, and he just kind of let it be what it was. It, it's a tough issue to deal with as far as a master to an apprentice pertaining to that kind of lifestyle, saying what was right or what was wrong. Qui-Gon just wanted things to play out naturally in the way he believed they needed to be. Also, Qui-Gon was offered a seat on the Jedi Council, even with all of his issues that he had with the Order. Even after telling them no constantly, telling them they're wrong, telling them that things they're doing was in a terrible, terrible manner, they still offered him a seat on the council. That's how wise and how revered this man was within the Jedi Order. However, he refused to go onto the Jedi Council right before a mission they had to the planet of Pajal. He refused this job because, not because he didn't want to, because he was extremely honored, and he would, it's a very, very high honor, even if you don't agree with the way something is being done. You can always join a group to help change what's going on to push things in the proper direction. He refused to see ultimately because he didn't want to give up his training in Obi-Wan. He felt that by, be, by giving up Obi-Wan, it would be disrespectful to him and the time that they had together and could push Obi-Wan into a bad spot where he could end up with a master who did not understand how Obi-Wan needed to be treated. Sure, him and Obi-Wan fought all the time like cats and dogs, but ultimately he fostered nothing but love for Obi-Wan and wondered what was best for him. The main reason that was brought up is because when you join the Jedi Master Council, just the Jedi Council for short, you have to give up 
your apprentice that you have at the time. You suddenly become you a master to a new apprentice and so on and so forth. You cannot keep the apprentice that you had before. You have to sever your ties, your relationships. That way you can come to the council with a clear head, a clear mind, and clear understanding of what's going on. Qui-Gon refused to do this. He only wanted too high to regard. He cared about him too much. Let that happen. The one thing that really, really bothered Qui-Gon with his experience with the Jedi, there was a mission where he was praised for being a warrior. He absolutely hated being called a warrior. And while Qui-Gon was quite adept in the ways of lightsaber combat and other forms of using the Force as a weapon, he did not enjoy doing that part of the job. He believed the Jedi were more uh, peacekeepers, negotiators. They were not meant to be warriors going out there and settling all the conflict through bloodshed and lightsaber combat. He brought this issue up to Yoda, and him and Yoda had many, many long conversations pertaining to maintaining the way of the Force while not using physical combat as a means of getting things done. And in these many, many conversations they had, they had a couple conversations that Qui-Gon and Yoda both sensed that darkness was starting to surround not only Qui-Gon himself, but starting to surround the Jedi Order, and that he believed the Order was being slowly, slowly influenced by the dark side, which could not have been further from the truth. The Jedi Temple on Coruscant was founded on, on top of a Sith Temple, so literally the whole Jedi Order was founded upon the Sith Order. So, just so you know, they kind of, you know, if you understand the whole parallel building the house on the, on the beach as opposed to building your house on the cliff kind of thing, yeah, both are kind of shaky, but you'd rather have a much more solid foundation. Put the Jedi Temple on top of a Sith Temple, not what I'd consider ideal. And ultimately, we're going to progress to life after death. Why any of this information is even important in the first place. We, as we all know, Qui-Gon died in within the Phantom Menace. He was stabbed by Darth Maul through the stomach, uh, 32 BBY. The temp that's not the temple, I believe it is their palace of Naboo. He was stabbed down there by Darth Maul, which largely upset Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon, however, during that time period where he was on his knees, gave himself to the Force, and before he finished his combat with Darth Maul, he made his peace with his life, everything that was going on with him, everything that he needed to address fully. And due to him achieving oneness with the Force, he was able later on to impart his knowledge on the Jedi Master Yoda, who during Revenge of the Sith told Obi-Wan, hey, I've been talking with Qui-Gon for a while. I'm going to teach you how to do this so we can kind of communicate overall. And once we have the next batch of Jedi, you know, Luke Leia, that will be able to impart our knowledge onto them while not always being physically near them. Because due to our immense force potential, us being with them would draw tons of, you know, uh, Sith hunters and just bounty hunters and maybe even Darth Vader out to come clear them out due to them being able to sense the immenseness of their force powers. The main reason this is important is the Obi-Wan series that drops May 24th of 2022. Is his timeline takes place between 9 BBY and 0 BBY. As I said, Qui-Gon died on 32 BBY. We're not going to get a physical Qui-Gon. We're not getting Liam Neeson back. I absolutely do not believe this 100%. There's no way they're going to be able to afford to bring him back. They'll probably bring like a voiceover or a different looking actor who had the same amount of range, 
that Liam Neeson had as far as pulling off of Qui-Gon in. They will likely use a flashback of some sort, um, probably an important lesson that he taught Obi-Wan, kind of like how they did in the Book of Boba Fett, where the Tuskins were teaching Obi- not, the Tuskins were teaching Boba, excuse me, all the stuff that he needed to know in order to make him the ideal ruler of Tatooine and how to run a family, so to speak. Obi-Wan will probably need a couple flashbacks to get him through a couple tough situations because Obi-Wan's life on Tatooine was rough. He went through a lot of difficult tasks by himself. He really had to look at not only for himself while dealing with his struggles and failures of Anakin to impart what knowledge he could upon Luke when the opportunity arose organically because he never forced himself into that situation where he was always around Luke, but he was always protecting Luke. So it was, it was a weird, weird gray area. They'll probably have some flashback to Qui-Gon's time with Obi-Wan when they were captured either by the Trandoshans on the Wookiee holiday. That really, really could have a lot of a team mentality, flashback sense of what needs to be done. Or they'll go to the battles of Bajal and they'll just kind of show everyone like how really good Qui-Gon was and all the lessons that Obi-Wan needed to learn at a young age that have really affected him getting to where he is now, or they'll just, you know, go the other route. Qui-Gon is a force ghost mentoring Obi-Wan out there in the sands of Tatooine, covering a lot of just deep understanding of the force, making sure he's ready, setting him up for the next batch of Jedi to make sure that Luke doesn't end up going down the dark side and the dark path of the force because Luke was the chosen one. Anakin was the chosen one, quote-unquote, because he brought balance. Luke really brought balance by defeating the Sith once and for all, quote-unquote, because, you know, 7, 8, 9 happened, wasn't truly defeated. Sidious had a backup plan on a backup plan. He had his prep time. He pulled a Batman, resurrected from a Lazarus pit, and, you know, all the shenanigans that go along with that. But this role will play a huge part in Ewan McGregor's growth as Obi-Wan, so you need to be able to understand who Qui-Gon was as a master, the things that he really, really enjoyed, and just how his character will bring a lot of stuff forward for this series. Qui-Gon Jinn will likely show up as a Force ghost or in a flashback sense, but his knowledge will be pivotal in making sure Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan on May 24th on Disney Plus will be something that you guys can absolutely enjoy. Thank you, my Jedi Padawans, for listening to me rant and ramble about all things Star Wars and the galaxy far, far away. May the Force be with you, my Padawans. Check out all the other amazing content we have. Thank you.